Welcome to the Let's Talk podcast Life in Lockdown from the University of Edinburgh and Edinburgh Students Association, keeping us together and sharing experiences in this extraordinary period of social distancing. I'm Harriet Harris, the University Chaplain, and today I'm talking to Rosie Taylor, who is coming to the end of her third year as a biology undergraduate. Rosie is the outgoing LGBT plus officer with the Student Association and a founding member of Wellcom, the award-winning wellbeing and community organisation for STEM subjects at the University of Edinburgh. Rosie gave interviews in our previous Let's Talk podcast series on mental health. In this episode during lockdown, Rosie talks about family estrangement in times of emergency, how overwhelming it can be to have all this time to think about how you are feeling, and wondering what a return to normal means when you are questioning, what is my normal? What was my before? Rosie also describes how lockdown and online learning exacerbates aspects of OCD for her and how she wants to feel safe, but also to be open to things that she enjoys. And she revisits the subject of social media, the pressure of feeling always available, the messaging about the virus or weight control in lockdown, and the push for productivity, which detracts from time needed to be with ourselves and to heal ourselves. But also the possibility of watching Netflix online together and of contacting old friends. So Rosie, it's great that you've been able to join me this afternoon. Thanks very much for doing that. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name's Rosie. I'm a third year, um, we're going to my final year next year, uh, biology student, um, an undergraduate. And um, I'm also one of the lead coordinators of Welcome Kings, which is a peer support group for STEM students um, and focuses really on mental health and well-being. And we were awarded the uh, Community Mental Health and Wellbeing Award Prize uh, last year, the Student Awards. Yeah, well done. That's brilliant. Wellcome have done fantastic work. In, Thank you. Uh, yeah, really good work in, in talking about mental health at the university, getting lots of people more aware and engaged. Um, during this lockdown pandemic, Rosie, what what would you like to say? There must be lots to say about mental health in relation to the to the lockdown. Where would you like to start? Sure. I mean, I think it's been um, it's been a very strange experience. I don't think anyone has found this to be uh, comfortable, um, uh, particularly. And um, that's something that I think is really important to recognise that everyone's struggling with this in their own in their own way. Um, and I think that um, I'm much more at home within the feeling of, uh, of of lockdown and what that means now than I was to start with. I think. I don't know what it was like for you um, in the first sort of few days and weeks as we kind of realised how serious things were. I think that was a very, very strange, very strange time. Um, and and probably the, the most that I struggled with it was within those first few days and weeks of just complete uncertainty. And um, everyone was kind of flying around in a panic and not knowing where to go and what to do. Um and it came um, just after the um, the student elections. So um, before uh, pandemic kind of taken hold, but um, we had the student elections for the student association, and I have just I will just be finishing my term soon as LGBT plus officer. Um, mm. So that kind of happened, and that was a busy time for everyone. Um, a lot going on online and within the university, and um, people canvassing and stuff, and then kind of before I knew it we were thrown into this real 
dystopian situation um with with things kind of closing down and and people packing up their lives essentially to to go home for the end of the academic year and um I think that was the first thing that stood out as something that um really panicked me um I I'm still in Edinburgh now so I've stayed here in the city um and I live here year round I don't really go back um where I to where I grew up um Mm -hmm. and that's something that is like a decision that I um that is very important to me um Mm. and I think for me having a bit of a, a difficult relationship with the town that I grew up in and the family that I have there um the first thing that I really noticed was that everyone was going going home and going back to safety and kind of retreating to family and what they knew um and I think I was really overwhelmed by the sudden realization that I didn't have a place that I could do that um that to me that place was Edinburgh and everything that I've built here um Mm. and I think that that has been one of the toughest parts of lockdown for me um Mm. is this kind of realization of yes I have a life that I've built here and it's brilliant and I love it and I wouldn't change it um but I guess this real emergency um, kind of brought out something in me that was like a bit of an inner child that just kind of wanted to be taken care of, even though, you know, I'm, I'm 22 and I I live in a flat here, you know, with, with my friends and I, I, I rarely need things from people like that. It was suddenly kind of everyone was thrown into real uncertainty and was reaching out to, to, the, to their people. And I think I felt very um, worried about what that would mean for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it does, absolutely. And and uh, you were saying that you've really built your home in Edinburgh. So you, on the one hand, you weren't looking to family members to provide that for you, but it brought out nonetheless the child in you that wants, um, perhaps wants a bit of nurturing and parenting. Is Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's difficult, and I read some really really interesting um, resources, which um, I can send you some links to um, for anyone that's interested in reading them about about family estrangement um, in in sort of times of emergency, um, mm-hmm. and how there there is this real. I I enforce a, a pretty. I have a I have a a lovely but sometimes complicated relationship with my dad, and and that's something that I'm I come to I have come to terms with, and that. Um, I know now what I what I get and what I need and um there's sometimes different things um but I think that this sense of emergency and this sense of real people suddenly reaching out for their their bedrock their home their kind of touch touch base if you like where to go back to um is something that I think is a lot of struggle for anyone that has estrangement to key family members um and for me there was a time where I I wanted to break the no contact that I had built up for a very long time around the rest of my family. And I wanted to, I wanted that reassurance and someone to say, you know, I'm your person and I will take care of you and I will be there. And I think there are probably a huge amount of students who have moved away from home and have moved away from a home situation that that used to be really bad and that caused them a lot of pain and have built a new life who were then forced to question whether they 
whether they can return to that, whether it's safe for them to return to that, what it would mean for them long term if they were to go back. And I think that I've seen some really interesting and, and wonderful opinions on that and people talking about whether, you know, you can you can allow yourself to open up those channels of communication because we're in a time of complete unknown or whether it's something that you can't do. And also combating the guilt that comes with that if you feel that you're not reaching out and 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 you think that that might make you a bad person or that that might mean that you don't care about people or that you would be seen as a villain who's kind of not caring towards your family I think Mm. reading that people feel that way and have those insecurities but that it is okay to maintain your boundaries um Mm. especially as a student you know you move your whole life and your friends and you you kind of work and your studies becomes what you're doing and you're part of your purpose and your drive um it, it can feel really difficult to um to turn around and say no this is my life now and that's my boundary but you you kind of are allowed to mm. so yeah the first the first few weeks of of um of lockdown were very much like I think wrestling a little bit with those emotions that's a big wrestle isn't it and I imagine that you have to dig deep inside to find the answer in yourself as to whether uh, it, it's safe and wise to re-establish contact uh, when you, you know, when you've made what will have been a very big decision to to break contact, and I, it, it'll be a very different, it'll be a different answer for each person, won't it? Because they've got their own stories and circumstances. Sure. So yeah. you have to find the answer within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's um, it's a very difficult. One. And sometimes you you don't. Sometimes you're not always making the right decision, even if you've done a lot of soul searching about it, and you you know you make decisions that you think are for the best or that you think are, are mature, and that they kind of aren't always. But um, it it is something that I think a lot of people have to go through as they grow up. I guess um, it sounds silly because I am a grown up, but. Um, yeah, it's it's a difficult decision. I think that it's also really important to honor to yourself the sadness and the loss that you feel because it's a kind of it's a kind of like overwhelming grief. And I, I sort of I, it was difficult because I was thinking, you know, this is something that since I came to uni and I, I moved from from hundreds of miles away down south on the other side of the country um, mm. and uh, moved up an island. Um, you know, it's it's sort of it's something that has been lost to me for a long time, but you can kind of feel this renewal of that grief and that kind of loss for for what you could have had. Um, and I think it's important to honour that because you it doesn't sometimes it really doesn't feel like the right decision to have no contact and it feels really hard because we will have a really intrinsic need to be cared for. Um, and that's mm-hmm. not something that can always be met by friends and tutors and and um mm. professionals, but uh it's it's something that you, you're allowed to feel um, heavy about, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, to honour those feelings rather than pretend that they're mm-hmm. not there, that doesn't doesn't do you a service, does it? And it doesn't do the, the enormity of it a service. I think, you know, our families um, are very significant mm. to us. And so if, if for whatever reason there has to be a breach there, uh, we, we want to not be numb to the fact that that is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, 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 
interesting as well because at university when you have that kind of dynamic going on with your family it's it's very easy to feel very alone in that because a lot of people are very close to their family still and they will go home a lot and they will visit home and they'll have their family over and they have a different relationship with that and I think it can feel incredibly lonely not just not to have that but to feel that you are the only person that doesn't have that and that's not true there are other people in in very different but very similar um situations who are also feeling very alone and very sad and a lot of the time abandoned and it's it's okay to to feel that way um it's not easy but um it's okay yeah and we're all still growing up in a sense, aren't we? We don't we yeah. don't finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't finish maturing or or you know, and sometimes it's one step forward and a few hundred steps back, I mm-hmm. think. <laughs> yeah. And are you uh in touch with others in Edinburgh? Do you have other people in your flat? Yeah, so I Edinburgh? actually um I actually am isolating with my flatmate who is also my best friend. Um and kind of I, I have a very like strong sense of family. Um within like my flat and a very tight-knit friend group um in edinburgh i'm incredibly lucky to have um so we are here together and um enjoying it it's well it's it's really something because it's it's kind of um we're very very close anyway so it's it's it kind of it we spend a lot of our time together so it would it wasn't much of a change um Mm -hmm. but i think that um being still here in the city and having not being in a family home, actually, I'm getting a lot more space um, than a lot of people probably are when they're at home and they've got siblings running around and screaming and shouting and um, their parents kind of also stressed about other things. Um, and, and being here with with my family, who's also a student, um, you know, we, we kind of we're both both just just kind of not really sure what to do with our time which is fine yeah it's nice it's really nice to have that and to have a person um there I think um a a big thing about lockdown is is being being alone with your own thoughts can be really overwhelming um and having someone else just around um is a really nice relief from that and and what do you uh make of the the notion of of a back to normal how does that feel for you yeah, I think that the longer this has gone on, um, the kind of the situation, the the more I have seen that. Um, and the, there's kind of two camps, if you like, of thought. Of, of a lot of people saying, you know, when things go back to normal, we can go down to the pub or we can go and drink coffee in coffee shops. Or And there's a lot of people saying, well, actually, we need a new normal um, and it'll be this way. And, and I think that the thing with this situation that really has been starting to settle in and starting to feel less uncomfortable um the more time has gone along is that it has really forced me to question what my normal was and whether I think that you have a lot of space right now to confront a lot of things about yourself that you have generally been trying to keep busy and and distract yourself from I'm definitely Mm -hmm. someone who I it's not it's not a good thing um but I will run myself to the ground doing stuff um to avoid thinking about how I'm feeling and that's something that I have always done and something I should stop doing um but it it, it's not possible right now really um so I think I'm having to confront a lot of a lot about what my normal or my before was um 
and I had kind of been realizing that actually I, I was really unhappy um, and I had this real drive to keep doing things and stay busy to avoid kind of really feeling feeling anything I guess or confronting things that felt uncomfortable um, or feeling as though things weren't in my control especially around uni work and how many hours of work I was doing a day which always became a fixation for me and, and what I was focusing on and what revision I was doing um sometimes you know to no benefit for my grades or to no benefit for the work I was putting out um just overloading myself to a, to an exhaustion um and being in this kind of state of there really being no proper deadlines or no proper way to do this because we haven't done it before um yeah has really forced me to say well I I don't want to go back to the back to the normal because I was actually really unhappy and I had a very poor work-life balance and for me now I think the challenge is to try and continue that sense of frustration that I have felt um for I guess the time that I've wasted all the things that I've missed out on or the ways I've been overworking myself to to this real point of kind of just like collapse and crisis a lot and more than I have been willing to admit before I I want to leave for a new normal that is kind of it's not it's just not that I just want to somehow keep that perspective that I've been having even though it feels very uncomfortable and it feels like it's going to be a lot of work um but yes trying to find a way that to to go back to what I was doing in some way that is different um yeah it makes me happier yeah so to find a way that isn't about running yourself into the ground uh getting yourself exhausted fixating on the number of number of hours you're doing mm-hmm. and asking yourself all the time what you're focusing on so so are you moving into a way of being now without the the, the you know now that the deadlines all look different where you're happier with how you're pacing yourself is it is it that I think I think I I am definitely someone who um so I I have always struggled with and and since I came to university was much more able to understand and um get help for if that's whether that's sort of like professional medical help or psychiatric help or or educational help with um struggling with OCD and that has been something that um has just always propelled me to I'm I I'm never quite I think it's it's very difficult not to speak in cliches about these kinds of things and it's so it's so different for everyone the experience of this disorder is so different for everyone um but for Mm. me one of the ways that it really manifested was just around controlling certain things that allowed me to feel safe which is the kind of um the obsession and compulsion part of it is that you have this fear or this thing that it needs to be a certain way or it needs to be done in a certain order or this something the situation that you you need to have some kind of hold over and for me one of those things was um I need to do x amount of uh, work a day I need to have all of these tasks done and once I got a hold of controlling that I would not I could not stop I would then you know I would do those things that I said I need to get done and I would think well I just need to do more because I need to stay in I need to stay in control of the situation I need it to be safe I need it to be right and if I wasn't able to to get um those things that I felt I needed to get done 
done the right way, done perfectly, which they're never going to be perfect. That's part of life and that's part of uni work is that nothing is ever completely perfect. I don't think anyone really gets 100%. Um, and uh, for me, it was, it felt completely un, unforeseeable and undoable to not have everything the right way because it felt unsafe physically and mentally. And then, mm. you know, this this kind of idea, my days were just really miserable because I was thinking, well, I need to get up tomorrow and I need to do these 10 things. And then I should also do this thing and I should also do that thing. And um, And picking up habits and compulsions that way um, in terms of, you know, I need to go to the gym on these days. I need to eat these things on these days. I need to um, make space for this thing to where all the things that I wanted to do or that I would enjoy, I didn't have, I didn't feel I had space for because they would ruin my control. And I mm. was not making space or time mentally or physically in my day for things that were actually the things that I wanted to be alive for. And that's something that maybe I hadn't really realized had got to that point or I hadn't really known how to kind of express. Um, and sort of now being in this situation where I have to sit and think and I can't really get away from those thoughts and you're forced to change up your whole routine entirely, it's really it really changes your perspective and 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 made me realize that actually that that's not working <laughs> at all um and you know is having control over all these things it might be making me feel safe but it's also making me incredibly unhappy and I'm missing out on all these wonderful things that I, I really want to be a part of my life um mm. so yeah it's it's kind of been it's been a challenge to think about those things um and the pandemic itself I think is a massive challenge um, for anyone that, that struggles with their mental health and and the the few the few friends that I do have that I know who struggle with OCD it has been um, a challenge in a, a really like a diverse array of ways I think um, depending mm. on how the condition affects you or how or how you perceive yourself to deal with it um, mm. yeah it's, it's been it's been a a kind of shape-shifting beast I think. Have you found the possibility of spending more time doing things you enjoy? Yeah surprisingly yes during lockdown I think that some days I find that easy um some days I, I can do the things I enjoy and be like wow that was really nice and I really enjoyed it and some days the kind of voice in my head that I know to be the the voice that is obsessing will take over and kind of want to punish me for not having everything right or not doing what I think I should be doing which is entirely uh, kind of made up and and not not really real it's a, a kind of it's something that my my brain is is thinking and trying to control because it, it wants to keep me safe and that's it's very nice of my brain but I wish that it, it would stop uh, so yeah I've been finding more ways to do stuff I enjoy and 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 sort of taking up new hobbies and um, I've been doing a lot of film photography and sending off my camera film to get developed, um, which is something that nice. I found that I really enjoy. Um, I've been doing online life drawing classes, which I really recommend to people, um, Great. which are really nice. Um, and I've been been writing again. My dad and I um, started trying to write a haiku every day 
and then send each other a picture no matter how bad they were um mm. but uh my dad who actually graduated with a degree in literature and classics from edinburgh um just kept writing stupid ones so he stopped after a while <laughs> and i've carried on by myself um right but yeah that's that's been nice and i've been i've been kind of going on 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 my walks and stuff and just making sure to get a lot of fresh air and exercise and I've been kind of discovering really beautiful places of Edinburgh that I never thought I, I, I knew just really like, it's been nice to go to just completely remote places and be away from everyone else. And just mm. for that to be the right thing, if that makes sense, because it's what the government's sort of telling you to do. It, it feel it, it, sometimes I will be thinking, well, I should be doing this or that, or I should be doing these completely conjectured things that I, I, I have a, I have a, an obsession to do, but actually I'm having my daily walk and that's the advice. So that's, that's fine. And that, that's allowed. Um, so yeah, it's some days definitely are hard. And I think that like, that's the case for everyone. And that some days you, you wake up and you just, for some reason you just can't, and maybe, you know, especially if you struggle with the mental health condition, maybe your head is really loud and those thoughts that are, are connected to whatever problem or multiple problems you're, you're, you're dealing with and that you're living with it, those can feel very, very loud some days and very inescapable. And other days you can wake up and not really think about it all day. Um, and it can, it can not really affect you. Um, but it taking each one of those days sort of as it comes is very hard because you have to learn to accept that when you are feeling bad, it's just maybe the way that it is and it will pass. Um, Mm. and that's sometimes uncomfortable um, but maybe also a way to challenge yourself and to grow, to kind of accept that and sit with it and be okay with it. Yeah, and recognising that that our feelings and thoughts don't define us and that they come and go. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't have to get stuck in them. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a, it's a big, it's a big thing um, mm. for me, I think, is, is learning when to disengage from those, those thoughts and, when the kind of pandemic was first really taking hold, I guess. Um, and we had, we started with kind of distancing measures and everything and people being, people worrying and watching the cases rack up. And, and then we were closing the library and then we were transitioning to online learning. And then, and all these things, all these changes were happening. That was, um, for me, that was very hard because it, I mean, people call it like an OCD flare in that when maybe particular habits that you thought you got on top of or things that you thought that you were kind of dealing with better will kind of pick up and, and start to become a problem again, um, or get in the way of you kind of living your life again. Um, Mm. and, and that was something that the pandemic definitely brought about and online learning for me was something that I found, um, difficult because, it, there are a lot of things about it that are very amenable um, to to those who struggle with OCD um, in in kind of like helping to exacerbate those underlying anxieties because I would go on the kind of like online learning platform uh, like three hours before my class and check all my settings and check that no one could see me and check my mic and check my audio and all of these things and it would it, I would do it for for like an hour at a time and or I wake up in the middle of the night and I do it and submitting essays and, and work online things that like n- before I kind of got on top of you know submitting a piece of work and I send it off it's in the cloud 
I don't know where it is because I don't understand technology very much, but it's there. Um, and then kind of this situation and, and a general baseline of anxiety being higher and my kind of ability to tolerate stress being lower just kind of meant that I was handing in essays and then I was getting up at 3 a.m. and checking through them, convinced that I'd made a mistake, convinced that I'd done something wrong. And it was really very nightmarish. And that was kind of, you know, a few weeks into the pandemic. And it was something that I didn't think I would struggle with at all. Um, but it, it really shook me for a week, two weeks, maybe, where I was probably feeling, I was feeling at a real crisis point. And at that point, I was really lucky to have the support that I have from the disability services and having um, a mentor that I speak to and that I can just email and that understands me really well um, mm. was probably the only thing that, that really, that and, and my friends, which really just managed to get me through that period because it felt as though everything I had worked on for, you know, th three years or more um, to to get away from and to really recover from and, and, and be and be distanced from was was really hitting me kind of square on the jaw again so that was that was hard and I think people people who are struggling with 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 anxiety or depression or mental health issues of any kind and this transition to a really different way of learning and, and things looking so different is really scary um and it can bring up a lot of issues that you thought you were past and that doesn't mean that you aren't growing or you aren't changing or you aren't improving no um it's just probably means that you are doing one of those things actually. yeah and yeah and just the yeah. ability to recognize that that's what's happening is a massive step and just i mean our time's uh drawing to a close rosie but i i know that you've had some you, you, you've mentioned a certain amount about online the difficulty of online um learning and how that's that exacerbated some sort of ocd uh, uh qualities for you but also the joy of online um life drawing classes and mm. I think you've got some some thoughts I wonder if you could would like to end with some of the cons and then the pros of social media during lockdown so mm. perhaps some of the some of the, the the negatives at first and then it'd be nice to end on a few positives yeah I think I think it's very easy to we're we're all guilty of doing it of constantly sort of checking our phones and um checking our apps and seeing who's messaged and, and seeing what's going on and seeing who's posted what. Um, and that's difficult anyway, but I think when you're kind of stuck in at home and there isn't much else to do, it can become very, it can become a real force of habit. And for me, that's something that like I try to steer away from because I know that it's something that I can get obsessive about and that I can keep doing. And it's something that just, I'm not even absorbing the things that I'm seeing really. It's just something that becomes a compulsion to be checking or um kind of almost like a an involuntary or, or sub subconscious thing that you're you're not really you're not really aware that you're doing um and realizing that actually like I, I it, being around all the technology all the time and constantly being available and able to message and mm -hmm. and this and that was kind of just disorientating for me a lot of the time um and I actually when quarantine sort of quarantine in in quotations started um I I just I signed off of my Facebook and blocked the website on my laptop my phone because I was finding it really really difficult to be seeing all of the posts all the time about uh, about this virus and about coronavirus and about um the outbreaks and 
uh, washing your hands and who you should be around, what you should touch, what you should eat, what what the new danger is, all of that kind of stuff. And and then also that being kind of amplified by a lot of people talking about their weight during quarantine, talking about how healthy they're going to be, talking about um, you know what, what they're going to spend their time on, and this like really really heightened idea of still finding a way to be productive when we're in the middle of an, an international crisis. I mm. found really difficult because you don't always have to be productive and you know there's actually it's not always good for you to be productive and and that's something that I can say that I really need to kind of absorb myself um because actually a lot of the time you need to make space to to kind of heal yourself and to take care of yourself before you can decide to be productive and and make things and do things and monetize things um so that had been a big a big thing I think another big negative that's worth mentioning is this kind of fear of missing out this FOMO um type thing where, where you're seeing what your friends are doing you know they're with their family or their friends or their relatives or they're getting up to new projects and starting new things and doing five workouts a day and they're learning to do headstands and it's really nice to see people doing that but sometimes it can be really crushing as well um mm. and so that's something that I've just tried to remind myself that I am I am only me and I can only do my best and some days my best will be making breakfast and that's fine. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some negatives, but I think that there are definite definite positives as well in the ability you have to reach out to anyone and you know make a Zoom call or have a Facebook conversation or send each other funny pictures or videos or watch Netflix together through the computer and that's something that has been really good and actually I found myself reaching out to friends that I haven't spoken to in a long time who have meant something to me who when I have been sitting kind of in my room and not really knowing what to do I have managed to think about them or or remember something about them that I want to talk about and that's been really actually really lovely and really beautiful and, and really nice to have those channels of communication and we are all really apart right now and it feels horrible um, but we are all also like really connected if we can find the ways to do it healthily, which is a challenge. Yeah. And perhaps as the pan, you know, as the lockdown situation stretches out a bit more, we settle down a little bit more. We can respect each other's uh, each other's sense of timing, if mm-hmm. you like. Mm-hmm. I think at the beginning there was a bit of a frenzy of everybody connecting with everybody else, and then that becoming overwhelming and. I'm hoping that will settle down into ways that, you know, if you get in touch with somebody and they don't get back immediately, that's fine because it means that they'll, you know, they've got their own stuff going on. Mm. Um, so a little bit of, you know, giving one another space um, is, is probably what we're going to be settling into. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Rosie, thanks ever so much. It's been really good uh, to speak with you. And thank you for, for coming back into this new series of the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And giving us your um, always insightful, um, <laughs> you know, comments and, and, and stories from your own personal experience about how we can, you know, look after ourselves, be well, um, what it's like, you know, facing various different mental health challenges. Mm. So thank you, Rosie. Hugely appreciate it. Great yeah, to speak you. with you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. For the latest University COVID-19 advice and news, go to the University of Edinburgh website and you'll find all the links you need at the top of the homepage. If you would like to discuss any issues affecting you from this podcast, 
or would like welfare support during lockdown, you can contact the university's listening service by emailing listening.service at ed.ac.uk. The listening service is run by the chaplaincy and is for all Edinburgh students and staff.